It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill, plus take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed, and together, we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to this edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Stephen Jodderin. Down in Texas is our Michael Fye. Jake Wittrell is hanging out in Minnesota. Follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Cast a show on any major podcast network. If you haven't heard, we're going through a mini-series looking at the potential relocation of the Columbus Crew. So check out the previous two installments. Got one coming up. But fellas, what's happening? Watching too much soccer. I think Jake feels the same way. Oh, I am so soccered out. I am... I am very, very soccered out. It's it's a lot. I can't believe Alexi Lawless has sat at that desk in Moscow for every game. Respect. I, yeah, you have to respect the guy for at least sitting up there and doing it. Rob Stone at least had, had a substitute. Anyway, on this episode, we're talking VAR and what MLS could learn from it. We're talking about the Swiss controversy and how the U.S. men's national team and U.S. soccer could learn from that. And then finally, we're going to discuss Miguel Delaney's tweet that has set U.S. soccer Twitter ablaze. All right, Armand, let's begin with VAR. All right, so to put some background into this, uh, this is tying in MLS and the World Cup because I think, quite frankly, the World Cup has done a great job with VAR. Some of my, uh, I guess, Iranian counterparts might not think so because uh, they seem to think that VAR took the offside goal away from Iran, but that goal was clearly offside. Anyways, VAR has been, I think, brilliant in the World Cup. We know what's being reviewed. It's fast. It's painless. I think the only gripe that it's people are getting is that it's not being used as much as it could be used. And meanwhile, MLS, I feel like, is being used too much. And especially yesterday in the Red Bull uh, FC Dallas game, they were reviewing Aaron Long's goal, and the Unimos commentators seemed to believe it was because of a foul. I thought it was because of a foul, too. But but after, like, five, ten minutes, we figured out that it wasn't because it was a foul. It was because Bradley Wright Phillips was offside during the play, but he didn't interfere, so therefore the goal wasn't taken away. With VAR in the World Cup, we seem to know what's being reviewed and what is what is going on. But in MLS, we just seem to be confused all over again. 
I mean, guys, what do you think about that? Well, before we actually talk about it, Armand, what is the process in MLS regarding VAR? Um, it's basically uh, every play is every play is checked, and at at some point, there's four uh, in MLS and in World Cup. There's four scenarios: mistaken identity, goal, red card, and I just I I can't remember the last one for some reason. Um. And they get the check through uh, their earpiece. The ref halts play, and then he'll make the VAR signal if he wants to go check it out. He'll run to an off-the-site monitor, re- review it, review it. Which I don't think we can see the same feed uh, as um, they do on the VAR screen. And then he'll just do the point. All right, if it's offside, he'll have his hand up. If it's a goal, he'll point back to center. It's one of those. You're kind of confused halfway. I know there's been a lot of VAR checks uh, in some Dallas games, and most of the time, even in the press box, I'm sitting there confused. Uh, in the World Cup, it's pretty simple. I mean, they do the check, but on the television screen, you see the all right, the deciding red card decision or offside. One of those, one of those two things, goal or no goal, uh, and it clarifies offside. You see the viewpoint at what what the uh, referee is looking at. So it's very clear to what's going on. And also the screens pop up within the stadium too. So fans know what's going on as well. So I, I just think it's a much more clear cut and it's worked so much more efficiently than we've seen in MLS this year. So the four cases in MLS is goals, penalty kicks, direct red cards, and cases of mistaken identity. Yeah, and they're the same for World Cup too. I don't understand. Does MLF have what the World Cup has where it's, four officials in somewhere in Russia watching the game and then they buzz in saying, hey, you missed something? Is that what they're in, They're in the stadium. Oh, they're in the stadium. They're in the stadium. They're in a, they're in a, spe- they're in a special VAR room and they, they ch- then they decipher the call. There's, I think, one official and then yeah, uh, there the a, four. A, 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 yeah, there's like a fifth official sitting up somewhere. Yeah, there's a fifth official sitting up there who flags who flags the calls. I just I don't I don't understand how I understand the World Cup has the best officials in the world, but I don't understand how the processes just are just too different. I mean, the World Cup makes it look seamless. It's all just a quick check, and the check is like 20, 30 seconds, not even that long, uh, on the on the screens. And sometimes they'll just listen to the listen to the VAR guy. Uh, it's so fast, it's so quick, it's so crisp. The only things I've heard that are bad about it is like, for example, I think it was England in the first match, especially. When uh, like Harry Kane was being tackled in the box, um, or even I think Sweden in the in the Sweden Germany match, I think MLS needs to learn a little bit from there and make it more clear for fans and especially the people in the stands, uh, and even re- reporters like me who just don't know what's going on uh, during some checks. Well, I I remember at an FC Dallas game, VAR was being used, and call back a goal and nobody I was actually sitting with the fans and none of the fans knew I was texting you you're up in the press box and you were telling me what was going on I was trying to relay to everybody like it was the correct call and everybody's booing that's one thing MLS could change tomorrow just put the video review on the big port so everybody knows I do like the idea of putting it up on the jumbotron uh just to let everybody in the stadium see what's going on um I know major league baseball when they do their reviews does basically the same thing where they'll put it up on the jumbotron and the umpires are literally looking at the jumbotron with everybody else in the stadium 
and that is what they're using to determine what the, the call uh, is going to be. So, no, it's it, I think it would definitely be a, a much better way of keeping fans kind of clued in onto what it is that um, what it is that they're reviewing. Because like you like like you said, Armand, it's kind of like everybody's in, in the dark, if you will. No one, at least in terms of MLS, no one really seems to understand what's being reviewed. It feels very clunky when it's being done. Whereas in the World Cup, it's just bam. We know what's going on. We know what we're what's being reviewed. It takes twenty to thirty seconds, and we get on with play. Where in MLS, it's just it. It almost seems like it's just like this long, drawn out thing. And the other thing too, and I don't know if this has happened in the World Cup. It's, it's kind of irked me when I've seen it in MLS. You'll they'll do like a video review of something that happened like three minutes prior. And it's, it's kind of like, why did it take three minutes before before someone said, hey, maybe we should go back and review that play that happened? I don't know. Uh, what, what are your takes on that? No, I think the problem with MLS's usage of VAR is it takes an eternity to, A, figure out what's being called back, and B, when the process is being made, it takes forever. For some reason at the World Cup, it happens within moments. You know, and is it is it a matter of is the the usage of a terminology clear and obvious? Because I think it was the Atlanta Vancouver game where Kendall Watson got sent off, um, uh, but the VAR check took like three four minutes. And in my opinion, if a check takes three or four minutes, that's not clear and obvious. There's no way. And I've always had a really a problem with that because what makes something clear and obvious? That's that's. That's a very subjective term, I feel like. I love... You know what the best usage of VAR, I thought, was the Neymar penalty overruling call. The, Costa Rica? Against Costa Rica. He, he obviously flopped. I'm surprised Neymar didn't get a yellow card for flopping there. But it's it's just quick. And MLS is... And, and just American sports in general. God, NFL replay could take 10 minutes sometimes. Like, come on, let's go. We, people have lives. We, we just can't sit around wasting time at an NFL or MLB or the final two minutes of a basketball game where everything is looked at. God, MLS, speed the game up because these World Cup games start on time. They finish when you could you could predict when they finish. Now, stoppage time. It's interesting. FIFA has really made a conscious decision to extend to the full 45 minutes. You know, you see the longer five to seven minutes stoppage times, which, you know, you just wouldn't ever see in a Premier League game or even in the Champions League. It's always if you got five minutes in one of those, then you were really lucky. Typically, it's just always a traditional four minutes like it's. You know, you're getting four extra minutes. But, you know, at the FIFA World Cup, it seems like you can get a lot more time than that, depending on, you know, time-wasting or injuries or goal celebrations. Um, I just think MLS needs to learn, and I hope they do. I really do. I hope they don't have their heads in, in the sand and, I don't know, letting everything go by because that's what it feels like sometimes. I mean, yeah, I agree. Uh, the VAR, The VAR checks shouldn't take that long especially the terminology clear and obvious i think that should limit a var check to like a minute and a half two minutes sure you want to get something right but you're kind of not doing it right if it's not clear and obvious and i hope mls learns especially with the graphics on the broadcast screens you have the the tablet they actually use will trigger those um graphics to pop up in on the tv 
so from a broadcaster and on the screen, I think MLS and stadiums around America have the technology to do that. I think they just they just have to do it. And hopefully we'll see it probably implemented next year if they even try to do it. But the way FIFA has implemented VAR has been excellent. And I think it's made it's actually made a lot of people who are very anti VAR to be like, okay, if it's run like this, I think we'll be fine. All right, let's move on to the Swiss controversy. And before we get it, this is everything that the sport has to offer. Passion, politics, controversy, and just the idea of identity really converging into one. And personally, I think Fox has missed an opportunity to really tell a story, really have an opportunity to present now with a case of all those things meshing in together. But Rob Stone, Alexi Lawless, they honestly don't really care for it all too much because it's not Neymar, Messi, or Ronaldo. But anyway, Jordan Shakiri and Granit Xhaka, the two Swiss players who scored against Serbia, made a double-headed eagle sign after scoring their goal. Now, this symbol is quite controversial. Serbia first doesn't recognize Kosovo's independence. Shakiri wore boots with a Swiss flag and of one of Kosovo, which, by the way, FIFA and UEFA recognize Kosovo as a nation. Grand Shakas are Albanian, but of Serbian descent. His father was a political prisoner in the 80s. They had immigrated to Switzerland, and then Grand Shaka was born. Now, the reason why they're in trouble is because FIFA has a rule on political and offensive messaging. And this is under Article 54 of the Governing Bodies Disciplinary Code. Quote, anyone who provokes the general public during a match will be suspended for two matches and sanctioned with a minimum fine of 5,000 francs. So again, this symbol, Albanian nationalism, the greater Albania, territories in parts of Kosovo, Serbia, Macedonia, and Greece. If they are, you know, suspended, it'd be a massive blow for Switzerland. Absolutely massive blow. These are the two stars. And they really showed that on the pitch against Serbia. Furthermore, you also have the Serbian Federation under a FIFA disciplinary proceeding regarding offensive messaging from the fans. Then you have the head of the Serbian Football Association, and I'm going to completely butcher the name, Slavisa Koza, uh, like I said, I'm going to butcher the name, Talk about how the referee being German was all a manipulation by FIFA to get a certain result. He quoted that half of Swiss are Germans, which is completely false. Swiss citizens are Swiss. They speak German. They speak French. They speak Italian. Roman is just the fourth language. But no, they are not German. They're not French. They're not Italian. They're Swiss. We're Swiss. Okay? It's like saying... Anybody who comes from Latin America is a Mexican because they speak Spanish. No, that they're they're separate. They're Hondurians. They're Mexicans. They're Cubans. They they're different identities. 
Granit Xhaka and Shakiri really played into this identity. If you read the stories of Granit Xhaka, father who, who was a political prisoner, moved to Switzerland, was, whose parents moved to Switzerland, he was born there. So he carries both on his shoulders. Same with Shakiri. You know, Shakiri uh, wrote in the Players' Tribune, or said in the Players' Tribune, quote, When I run onto the field at the 2018 World Cup, I will have the flags of both Switzerland and Kosovo on my boots. Not because of politics or anything like that, but because the flags tell my story. The story of my life. Don't worry, the Swiss flag's on my left foot. Shakiri also says, Switzerland gave my family everything and I will try to give everything for the national team. Obviously, he is torn between the two. In, in an article in The Guardian by David Hunter back in 2017, talked about how Switzerland gave Grand Shaka and his family everything. They, needed, they gave them a, a fresh start. Quote, Jaka owes everything to Switzerland and the opportunities he has afforded there. But he cannot and will not forget his Kosovo Albanian roots, which continue to touch him in London. So as you see, these two players are torn. I don't know what the messaging was. I, I, I think it was an homage to the, the roots. Clearly, it had some sort of political meaning because it it was a it was a throw it was a symbol to those who come from Kosovo and Albania. In fact, in, in the streets of Kosovo, they were hanging Swiss flags. They're supporting. The Albanians were supporting the Swiss. The Kosovans were supporting the Swiss. Why? Because of Granit Xhaka and Jordan Shakiri. And they're not the only Swiss players to have roots like that. Valentin Brahmi also has it, although he didn't make the symbol. What's really interesting is Swiss captain Stefan Lichtsteiner is also under investigation after making the symbol, but he was not immediately criticized or under investigation by FIFA. It was only later that they just determined that. So I don't know what's going to come. By the time this podcast comes out, I think FIFA will rule. But what are your thoughts on this? I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing <laughs> until you brought it up yesterday. I didn't know there was a a large number. I'm not sure, even sure if "large" is the right word, but there there were uh, Yugoslavian refugees or Albanian refugees. I don't know what what country you know part you know whatever. Um, I didn't know there were a large amount of refugees in Switzerland that were affected by like, like the Yugoslavian war what was that 20, 25 years ago. Um, so to me, when Jaka and Shakiri do the Eagle, I didn't know it was the Albanian Eagle or whatever it's called. So, I mean, to me, it's like, I don't, it's just a celebration. That's no different. It's just a hand gesture. It's not different than Gareth Bale doing the heart gesture thing he does when he scores, um, for Real Madrid. So I wasn't offended. I don't understand why anybody would be offended. I guess I, I don't live in that part of the world, so or I'm not familiar with uh, with the, the whole situation. So maybe I'm probably the wrong person to ask on that. But to me, it it, it, it doesn't seem like it'd be that big of a deal. What about you, Armand? In my eyes, you know what? There's you can't. It's very difficult. As much as one can try to separate. Uh, politics from soccer. I think we all. I think we all know that. We we all know that really well. Stick to sports. And, and 
<laughs> Hashtag six sports. And and if you look into the history of Shaka and Shakiri and what their families had gone through from the Serbians, Serbians, if that's the right word, it's, you know, it's poetic justice. Put it in a song. Um, I, I don't have an issue with it. I genuinely don't. There's no, to me, the only people that are offended by it are the Serbs, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the only people that are offended by it. Well, and I think FIFA's rule is that it would it has to cause like something to the general public. Well, here's the which rule. It's here's, really vague. Here's the rule under Article 54 of the Governing Bodies Dis- Disciplinary Code. End quote. Anyone who provokes the general public during a match will be suspended for two matches and sanctioned with a minimum five of five thousand Swiss francs. So, but that's so vague. So, for example, um, what does that consist of? Is that just taunting the, the crowd? Because isn't it just a, a like the shush celebration taunting the crowd? And wouldn't wouldn't that almost fit the definition of what that's trying to say? Because it's so vague. Well, I like guess doesn't were, mention anything political. Well, that that's the thing. Is is where's that line of politics? But also, what about the gestures of the cross or prayer, Muhammad Salah or? Jordan Shakiri will pray before matches. Chicharito will pray before matches. Obviously, different religions. But the, the eagle is not something new. Hulk, there's pictures of Hulk, Ramos, Mesut Ozil, Mustafi, Nicholas Anelka doing this eagle. The question is, what does it represent? Now, I, I understand if you guys, uh, listeners, haven't had the uh, chance to read Jordan Shakiri's Player Tribune story, it's fascinating. Fascinating stuff because Shaka and Shakiri have the same message in a sense. They owe everything to Switzerland, but they're not going to forget their roots. And I think the celebrations were an homage to where they have come from. It is just like – and U.S. soccer need to pay attention because there will be a time, and I think this time will be relatively soon where you'll have – I think it will be primarily with the Mexican-American player playing for the U.S., Will do something to celebrate El Tri when he scores a goal, or do something, you know, playing against Mexico. Something will happen, and it's going to cause controversy, and it's going to question, at least here in America, what what we want of our American players. Remember, Landon Donovan and Amy Wambach has already commented that you know they're not true Americans if they're you know German American or whatever it may be the case. It's interesting to to see the dynamic within the Swiss team because a couple of years ago it's it felt like there were rifts between those immigrated players I put quotations some of them were born in Switzerland but the, the families are immigrants but they were born in Switzerland they have two cultures versus the Swiss and grown up Swiss that dynamic has happened in France in Germany in Italy, in some aspects, Spain will have that issue too with all, all these refugees coming, immigration happening. America has already seen it. Now we haven't seen the the political tensions rise, but believe that they will be there. So we'll see what FIFA does because for Shakiri and Chaka, I I don't think they meant to provoke the the audience. Or, oh, or, I think they did. I think they did. Then they're going to be suspended knew, for two games. I think I knew what they were. I think they knew what they were doing, especially with the opponents that they were playing. However, I don't think it's. I don't think they should be suspended for it 
because it, the, the definition of that is just it's so vague because shoot, if I'm like shushing the crowd isn't that just like a provocation of the crowd and it what they're saying is it's almost like a taunt I mean honestly if it says specifically a political thing then okay I can see some but you're opening a very dangerous can of worms in this instance where a team can just be like hey you set the precedent for this so what about this and I mean it's it to me I think like Jake said if you don't have a background of the situation it's not a big deal and I think the only people that consider it a big deal are the Serbs and also and also part of it might have to be because they also lost a really just gut wrench as a gut wrenching loss. They went from right, but uh, guaranteeing their advance thing to being on the on the outside looking in now. Well, the, the Serbs, the, the Serbian papers were more critical of the referee than they were of the celebrations post post match. I mean, it, so you have that dynamic. Furthermore, you have the Serbian coach coming out and making comments about the referee, which don't aid the fifa's also open investigation against the serbian federation and the fans for what they did during the match i don't think that necessarily bothered anybody but there were political tensions in this match that i felt fascinated by and surprise fox never really dove into it because they had a real good story there that they could have really highlighted um it's interesting that shakiri's the player tribune drops you know very close to the game i don't know if it dropped before or after the game it it happened on the 22nd so that there's that i also find interesting that the captain made the same gesture now will uefa or fifa suspend him too you know what what will it mean for these three players it, it it raises a ton of questions and it it poses questions for other teams to look at their players and be like, well, you're dual nationals. Are we going to be screwed by you making a gesture or making an homage to pass things? It's a precedent-setting thing. It really is. And what will FIFA do? Because it, it it's opening a can of worms. And if FIFA were smart, I think they should just postpone the suspension till after the World Cup if there is a suspension. Just say, well... I mean- it's not like they flicked the crowd off. You know what I mean? It, it's, again, I'm not Serbian and I'm not Albanian or Swiss or, you know, whatever. So I guess the eagle, I don't understand. I don't understand it. But to me, it's just, it's just, it's just an eagle gesture. He, I don't, he didn't, I don't think Shakiri or Jaka, that was, well, maybe it was, I guess. If you, <laughs> no, nah, uh, don't be nice. I, I think I knew exactly what they were, I think I knew exactly yeah, what they were it, doing. It, 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 no, I think yeah, they were. If, if they Lich knew Stein what they were doing. It. They knew what they were doing, but it was a gesture to their family. It was a. Ge- it was an emotional response to look where I've come. This is uh, a gesture to my roots because. The oh, oh, okay, okay. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, would they do that against a team like Brazil? Probably not. That, that's the. Then that, that's that, That's the. That's, that's the question. ultimate question. It's also ethnic. I mean, there's also this hatred between Albanians and Serbs. I mean, if you do, do some research, you'll find that immediately. I just went through and watched uh, the Shakiri's highlights against Honduras in 2014, where he scored a hat trick, and, and not in one did he do that eagle. I think he knows exactly what he was doing, or bird, whatever it is. I think he knew he, exactly what he was doing, and I think the opponent 
also char- uh, charge that as well. I think it was definitely a statement. The question is, how are we going to interpret that 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 wording of that thing? Because that's very vague in my eyes. And to suspend players in the, the World Cup, it's a pretty uh, tough and tall uh, punishment. I think it's it's setting a very interesting precedent, especially with how we're gonna how that wording is meant the connotation behind that because like i said you can you could consider something like a taunt to the crowd or something like that not necessarily a political symbol are they implying it's a political symbol just 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 remember you had kaka used to wear the shirt i belong to jesus i think fifa tried to strip any religious symbols or political messages out of the game you know the words written on the shirt you don't see that so often. The the shirt ripping off. Do you remember how that used to not be a yellow card? Well, now it is. Um, I was rem- I you know I was watching the uh, Swiss news and one sports commentator said he's more pissed that Shakiri took his shirt off and got a yellow card than he he's mad with the celebration. I just <laughs> I, I, I will I guess I'll keep echoing, echoing this because I just don't get the big I just don't understand the big deal. Maybe it's just the American in me that thinks that I don't know like like the whole uh, you bring up the shushing of the crowd Armand like oh that's that's taboo to me it's like who, who cares <laughs> they're they're shushing the crowd like you know well, what, no what, no what no I'm, I'm saying I'm saying in the in the in the in the words of FIFA you could consider you can consider that an offense because uh, read read the whole thing again Sweden. I think uh, I think Steven? FIFA has more problems to worry about than what uh, hand gesture, uh, Shakiri and Xhaka, uh, you go with after they score a goal. I think FIFA should be more concerned about the slave labor that's being used to build uh, stadiums in Qatar right now <laughs> uh, than they should be about uh, hand gestures. That's just me. That's why when I hear you guys talking about this, I think this is really dumb. We are, we are, uh, people are pissed because two Swiss players, uh, made an eagle with their three, hands three 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 it's three three yeah well, I, I, yeah three and it to me it's just it's i don't know there i think fifa has other things to worry about than this and if if these two players are banned for two games i i mean that's pretty ridiculous also considering that you have players on i believe peru and russia who are being investigated for doping but we're just gonna kind of uh, Sweep that under <laughs> the rug and deal with that after the World Cup. Come on, that's my take on it. Uh, I mean, I personally say just postpone it till after the World Cup and then make up your decision. Because... I, I I I agree I I agree with what Jake said, but FIFA is making this an issue. I think that's why we are being forced to talk um, about unless it. Unless the players jumped into the crowd and started punching Serbian <laughs> supporters, I don't think they need to be suspended. But they also but they matches. All... I, I and and I think they also didn't comment post match. I think it would make a lot worse if if Shakiri said, "Yeah, I was about you know Albania," but no, they didn't say anything. So it, it's kind of like FIFA's going to call in some expert witness to explain how the goal celebration could be classed as Doctor Joe Matnick, baby. It will <laughs> be argued. Joe Matnick explaining that to us. <laughs> I, I'm reading from a BBC. It will be argued that the behavior illustrates the Albanian nationalist supported notion of a great Albania, which makes territorial claims on parts of Kosovo, Serbia, Macedonia, and Greece. 
So anyway, let's let's talk about Miguel Delaney's tweet that made everybody angry. I got I got it right here. All right, go. Ooh, Jake I on top of things. Yeah, so Miguel Delaney was watching Panama and England this morning. Did you guys see the match? Did you, you read about this? You see this? You hear about this? I yes. did not see the match, but I saw it was 5-0 at halftime and, and then 6-1. So yeah, I feel finished. pretty informed. Yeah, England uh, drubbed Panama in their second-ever World Cup uh, match. So Miguel Delaney hopped on Twitter and spouted off this marvelous tweet. Panama, a fine advertisement for CONCACAF getting stripped of a place at the big show. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't know. I, we were discussing about this before the show. I've become a CONCACAF fanboy uh, <laughs> oh, no. over like, the last like month. Um, Miguel Delaney, like, Panama's bad. Okay, I think we all can admit to that, that Panama is not a good a good team. But I don't think... Panama getting killed by England 6-1 shouldn't say, look at how bad CONCACAF is. They should be stripped of a spot to uh, uh, of a World Cup qualifier or qualifying bid or I don't know, whatever the right word is. Um, I think it, what it should really illustrate is how the hell did the U.S. men's national team not qualify over Panama? It's, it's, it's tough because, I mean... Yeah, woo! They they lost to England six one. But are we just gonna forget that? Like, I would consider England and Belgium two pretty damn good teams. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, I mean, no, I good. I agree. But they're, I, I think they're I think they're pretty good. So, well, I mean, South American the worst team. The, sorry, the worst team in Concacaf going up against probably one of the better, if not like top three or four teams in Europe. I mean, are we surprised that it got killed? No, I find the argument a little bizarre. Well, here's the issue. South American teams haven't done well. Argentina could crash out. Brazil couldn't, could potentially not qualify out of the group. Colombia, Colombia could not qualify. Uh, Uruguay's Peru's group. been knocked out. Peru's been knocked out. So Uruguay could be the only team to advance uh, to the round of 16 out of Kami uh, Bowl. And I believe if Senegal, if Senegal doesn't beat Colombia... Uh, next week, no there African wouldn't be any team. team, no African team, and well, okay. Uh, what's the Asian team that's advancing? Japan. Iran has a chance to advance too. Iran and Japan are the only two teams in, out of Asia that could advance, and, and so Korea. But Korea has a very unlikely chance. Yeah, they're not beating the Germans. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Korea. How does Korea have a chance? They've lost two games. Because doesn't matter. Germany if they, if, beat Sweden. Go ahead. That's how it. They all have Germany beat Sweden, so Sweden's sitting on three points. Germany's sitting on three points, and Korea sitting on zero points. So theoretically, Korea could beat Japan, uh, Germany, and then it, and then go through on goal differential if they were to somehow miraculously beat Germany by like more than uh, three goals. <laughs> okay, no chance. No, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's hard to sit here. What pisses me off more is when people are like, well, how did the U.S. not qualify over Panama, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, that, that, right now, that argument is over. We're done talking about that. Move on. Let Panama shine. Just let Panama enjoy themselves. Like, they got to the World Cup. They deserve to be there. The U.S. screwed up. Yes, it was a 1-27 in 27 chance that USA wouldn't. Make it oh, too bad. 
It is what it is. Let them enjoy it. It means so much for the country. I, I just can't stand when people sit there and just, oh, how did the U.S. not qualify? How did Saudi Arabia get through and not the U.S.? Blah, blah, uh, blah. You. My favorite Grant Wall tweet. That's, that's his specialty. Those amazing takes. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I, like I said, it's, it's Panama's moment. Can we stop making this off with the United States? We get it. It's a failure. And we should continue to pound it, but can we delay that until July, and then come back and and, and then come back? I'm not saying we should postpone, go reform USSF, and expect more, but like, can we just like, can we just talk about Panama a little bit? You know? Oh, just like okay, don't forget. Good, like- Chile didn't qualify. Italy didn't qualify, and the Netherlands didn't qualify. And those t- teams, would you would say, are I don't know Italy and the Holland always have the potential to make a deep run. Chile, on the other hand, I don't know how far they they typically get, but you think they would be a World Cup regular with with the talented players they have playing at big clubs in Europe. So people need to calm down uh, and just stop overreacting. Every- and the thing is, too, uh, in eight years when we expand the field oh, to forty eight teams, you're going to have a lot more Panamas playing in the World Cup, and you're going to have a lot more teams losing to teams like Belgium and England. 6-1 on a regular basis. So if you're if you're upset about Panama making the World Cup now, just wait until just wait until Trinidad and Tobago's there in 2026. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's a very it's a very funny argument cuz CONCACAF only gets three and a half spots and stripping that half spot, I mean, okay, maybe CONCACAF isn't the best uh region, but just watching some of the other teams play, sure, it sucks U.S. to make it, but I don't think CONCACAF is also the worst region out there either. Um, no. I, I used to I, be that guy that thought it was the worst region, but after I don't watching think it is. I don't think Asia. it is. I've watched Asian qualifiers all throughout. Um, highlights, games, the, 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 many of the, and if you don't agree, if you don't agree with me, uh, you can use, you can, at my handle on Twitter at Armand Kafai, um, <laughs> many of the uh, many of the teams in Asia are very poor, and they play worse, if not on the level of a team such as um, I'm, I'm trying, uh, such as let's say Pan- Panama or the, the the style they play. For example, if you watch a, a game between uh, Qatar and Iran. You are going. You you are going to see players just flailing on the ground, just falling, um, not getting up, getting stretched off. People call it Concacaf, but there's also some in Asia as well. And I know I might get some backlash for this, but I don't. Asia's bottom feeder teams are not as good as Concacaf's bottom feeder teams. If you're gonna tell me Qatar is on <laughs> the same level. As Panama, or you know what? Maybe I'll stop cherry picking on Qatar. Uzbekistan is, I'd say, on the level of of Panama. Concacaf is is not the is not the worst region. You can well, come you at me. You don't even have to talk. You... Don't compare them to Iran. Compare them to Saudi Arabia, who've been yeah, blown out is... six no yeah. over two games. Exactly, and Saudi Arabia has been has been looking has been looking off. Well, yeah. Those aren't those aren't the best teams. I mean, Australia, Australia, Iran. I mean, Korea has been struggling in a tougher group, but 
Korea's been struggling as well. Concap is not the worst region in the world, and like I said, if you don't it's, agree with me, you can come at me on Twitter. Well, it's I don't think it's the worst region either. I I wonder what the forty eight team format will look like in the sense that Europe is not expanding that much bigger. So the competition, I think, from Europe will still be good. South America will always be good. I think there's just too much pride from the players. I I'm curious to know what the the expansion for Africa, Asia, and Concacaf will look like. Because if those teams cannot compete, yes, you're going to have some of the blowouts. But if you have too many blowouts, it's not a good look. It just isn't it. All I can say is I'm, I'm so excited to watch North Korea just get drilled uh, in 2026. Or uh, <laughs> Drilled by what? Nuclear weapons? Yeah, I don't – well, that, hey, 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 stick to sports. Um, <laughs> yeah, hashtag. I, I, I can't wait to see uh, South Africa just get, just get embarrassed. You know, and we can have this discussion in, in South in Africa's not that bad. You could you could say like Mali, and I, I would have say like pick a little Zambia. bit. Yeah. Like it's going to have a chance at least to qualify. I'm not going to throw out South Sudan as a team that's going <laughs> to make South Africa <laughs> or Antigua and Barbados or where it's. Yeah, that place I don't know. Well. I I don't know. I'm just all I'm trying to say is like, if you're pissed about Panama now. You just stop. You just stop watching because it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse in due time. Well, you shouldn't stop watching. You just wait till the uh, round watch of sixteen. Watch a Panama match. Round of sixteen. Go go. Wait till round of sixteen. Then you can get all the uh, European uh, giants such as uh, Spain and Portugal, who are uh, who. One of them could be going home on on Monday. I mean. Like, like, like I said, people, people. I think over. All right, it's overreaction season because the World Cup. So you know, after every game, there has to be some sort of overreaction going on, and um, I think that's what we're that's what we're seeing, right? Like, pick your spots. I mean, <laughs> you don't need to watch every single game. You know, if it, I didn't, I didn't watch France and Australia because I didn't care to watch France and Australia. Okay, I don't need to see France destroy Australia. It does not uh, it not something happen. I need to see. It didn't happen, but I assumed it was going to happen. So, I don't know. I just... We all knew Panama was going to get killed in the World Cup. (laughs) I know, right? That's a funny thing. Was was anyone surprised? My question to you guys, if the U.S. had qualified, where do you think they would make it? I know it's dependent on the group, but let's just sub it out for, for some of the CONCACAF teams where they ended up. In the group with Brazil, Switzerland, and Serbia, do you think the U.S. would get out? No. No. Okay. There's, I, there's only two groups I think the U.S. could have gotten out of. That's Group A. And Group H. Which is? Japan, Colombia, Poland, and Senegal. I think it's, I think those are two. That's too fair. Those are the only two ones they could get out of. And group A is a joke, by the way. I, I'm just going off on a tangent. Group A is, is, an, is an actual joke. And the fact that Saudi Arabia team and the a- Asian qualifiers is like getting dismantled in that like easy... Just cakewalk of a group that says something. Just saying. What about Panama could hold their own in that group? Yeah, well, we'll see what Panama I, does I on the final day. I'm curious to know what Panama does on the final day against Tunisia. If they can get a, a, a decent result, I think it just illustrates that England and Belgium are so you know just superior. But I don't know. Well, it's the World Cup. It's overreaction. We're going to continue our overreaction season. I love it. It is. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Before we, before, before we uh, hop off or whatever, um, 
just give me your uh, Stephen Jake. I'll give I'll give you mine after both y'all's. What's your overreaction of the uh, World Cup? Uh, Neymar is a brat. Jake, uh, one of the power four or five countries will not win the World Cup. You will Mar- see a new winner. That we will see a new winner this year. I don't. I don't Ooh. believe that. I don't believe that. I, I, do you see the statistic Mar- by ESPN? FC? every twenty years we have a new winner. But do you see Mexico winning it? No. Do you see Ronaldo and Portugal see, winning it? Nah. I see Mexico I see, winning it. I see Belgium or England winning it. Overreaction season for me, I see. I. I'll, I'll just I'll just say it right now. Um, my other team is El Tree. So. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I am uh, on the Mexico bandwagon. I've. Memorize uh, Siendo Lindo, uh, which is a song I sing. I am that that song. Um, no, no idea. Uh, what you're uh, Juan Carlos Osorio is. Uh, I have candles uh, around his picture. Um, <laughs> I, I I I pray to God that, you, that the United States will go after him, but you know they won't. They'll end up hiring like Greg Berhalter or something like that. And um, I would just. Carlos Vela, number one. Like, go met El Tree, El Tree. Uh, my other team is Mexico. Hashtag Landon Donovan. Overreaction season. That's that's how we do things on Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Uncle Sam Soccer Pod, Steven Jarder, and Amaka Fai, Jake Petrova. Hey, at me. At me if you think the AFC is better than CONCACAF. At me. I want to hear I want to hear it. And yeah, I want to know what to games him. you watch, too. Give it to that's him. a little crap. Uh... And uh, we're we're gonna come back here in within the next week here with another episode, the final episode in our little mini series looking at the Columbus Crew. We're gonna look at the national perspective and what does it mean for different fan bases, and if people genuinely care about hashtag Save the Crew, or is it just something you say because it's politically correct and deep down you just don't give a crap about if the Columbus Crew get relocated or not. We're gonna examine that and really get to the heart of that. Until next time, listeners, take care. Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.